Hi, friends. Just kidding. This is Jake Sanders here. Um, I get to be the host of today's podcast. We're actually going to be interviewing Hannah Sanders, your regularly scheduled host. Um, she is an Enneagram 4, so we get a chance to talk to her about what it's like to have that many stinking feelings, and um, but genuinely talk to her about how God has used the Enneagram. And we also get to hear a little bit about the shape, um, shape class, the shape book, and shape experience, as that's helped impact her faith to know who she is, who God has made her to be, and how she can love others well. It's a really, really good podcast, so hope you enjoy. Hi, my name is Jake. I'm the youth pastor here at New Hope. And um, for our podcast listeners, you might know me more as the husband of Hannah, your normal host of Real Life, Real Talk, Real Copy. And I get the blessing to interview her today. <laughs> um, we've been doing the Enneagram series for a little bit now, and we are on the number four. Um, as number fours like to say, this is the most rare number. Mm-hmm. Um, and so <laughs> the one that I know best is Hannah, and it would be weird to have her interview herself. So we've decided to bring me on. Although it would be unique. It would be very unique, <laughs> which I'm sure would be fantastic. But what we'll do is I'll interview her and ask her the same questions, kind of get the chance for her to be on the other side of the microphone. Yeah. How you doing, Hannah? I am doing great. This is one of the first conversations that we have had, just the two of us, and work on something for church together since we brought home our kids, yeah. which was like two months ago now. Yeah. We're currently recording this at nine o'clock at night yeah. after the kids have gone to bed because that's when we got free time. And for those of you that don't know, we just adopted four kids from Columbia. So there yeah. are four kids under seven. <laughs> so I know you pretty well, but for those of um, those of us who don't, yeah, tell us about yourself. So my name is Hannah Sanders, and I am an elementary school counselor here in Adel. I'm at the new um, elementary Meadowview, so I get to work with second, third, and fourth graders. Um, I like to tell people I feel like I work at Disneyland because everybody's just so happy all of the time, and it's a great place to be. Um, I also do a lot at church um, at New Hope. I haven't since we've gotten back um, from Columbia this summer, but um, the podcast is one of the things that I... I get to do, and I, I, I love being able to meet and talk with people from New Hope and get to hear their stories and share it with the people who are listening. We've got a new podcast calendar. We're going to get really kind of aggressive with things. Our yeah. aim is at least two a month, and we might be adding another one to that if uh, we have our druthers. So we're excited. <laughs> yeah. We're excited. So we've been doing this Enneagram series. Um, since you can explain it better than I can, tell me a little bit about what an Enneagram 4 is. So um, an Enneagram 4 is uh, known as being like artistic and creative and unique. Um, sometimes they're often called like the snowflake. Um, very the individualist, the right? Individualist is the, I guess. Clinical term. Yeah. <laughs> um, my interpretation of it is that you don't really, you find joy in your uniqueness but you also find um like yourself in the fact that you have things that are different than other people um you talked a little bit about joy how does this enneagram tend to deal with emotion 
So in your forest feel, there feels real deep, which I know that you know from personal experience. This was a leading question. I've <laughs> experienced all those feels with you. Oh, uh, yeah. So feeling um, feelings really strongly, really deeply. Um, but some Enneagram forests, as I've recently learned, um, have a really hard time expressing those emotions. So they mm. might be feeling them really strongly, but not being able to communicate them or share those with other people. Yeah. I wonder if that's why so many Enneagram 4 people turn to art as a yeah. way to express those feelings. Yeah, some kind of creative yeah. outlet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how did you first discover the Enneagram? When did you first encounter this lovely tool? I'm obviously a bigger fan of the Enneagram than Jake is. I asked him before we started if I knew about it before we knew each other. And then I remembered that I did because he thought it was witchcraft. <laughs> No, um, it's just a good tool that I like to use to like help communicate or help to have a language to communicate with others, especially if they're people you work together with or in your family. Um, but I first learned about the Enneagram like in 2015, probably, okay. um, just from different podcasts that I listened to um, and just hearing them talk, like reference it. I didn't really know a lot about it. And then my friends got really into it and started talking about, like, well, I'm an Enneagram 7. What are you? And so then I decided to um, take an assessment and see what I was. And the assessment I got really annoyed with because I felt like the questions just tried to – I felt like I could manipulate the questions to mm -hmm. be a certain number. And I felt like I needed to be an Enneagram 2. Um, Which is a pretty common feeling for a lot of Christian women, right? Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Um, I think because a lot of the characteristics of a two are what we're called to be. We're called to serve others, and twos are known for serving. Because the Enneagram two is the helper, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I had a hard time being able to answer the survey or the the quiz or whatever you want to call it, um, honestly. Um, and so I actually, I feel like the way that I kind of figured out that I was a four was more from listening to other people talk about the numbers they identified with and why and their experiences. Um, there's lots of podcasts that talk about it. Including this one. Including this one. It's true. Um, so anyway, as I, as I read more and as I learned more about other people's experiences, the more I was like, no, I'm a four. And... Mm -hmm. um, I've also heard a lot of people say that fours either are really pumped that they're a four because it means you're the unique one, or they're really mad that they're a four because it means that somebody has identified that about them. Mm -hmm. I'm pumped that I'm a four, though. For you, a big part of the Enneagram, a big part of a lot of these types of tests or tools mm -hmm. or whatever is having that language to describe things, right? Yeah. Um, I think it helps. We did it as a staff at the school I used to work at, and it just helped me realize, like with my principal, realize, and my my office assistant and our, our secretary, we worked really well together as a team because of how our numbers interacted. And once we realized what each other's strengths were and what each other's weaknesses were, we could just play to those. And um, it just gave us kind of a, a language or gave us words to use to understand where each other was coming from and just work together more. Um, I've also seen that in our marriage. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, you talked about 
I didn't like it. I may have called it witchcraft. I may not have. There's, <laughs> who's to know? Um, but I think early on, I, I resisted things like this. I don't like being put in a box. I don't mm-hmm. like how often in Christian circles it becomes so central and such a focus. And Yeah, it becomes the truth instead right, of right. being a tool. Yeah, and yeah. I, I really struggle with that. Um, getting to know you better. We've done things similar to this um, as a staff in the office, and mm-hmm. I've really seen the value of, okay, understanding if Pastor Ryan, if um, our, if Tim Caney are both visionaries and I'm more of a, a, a doer, mm-hmm. then when I'm struggling with how do I organize things, what could I do, I, I go to people who think bigger yeah. than I typically think, and I allow them to help me and right it's been a blessing to to do that so I, I think there's value i've come around to the point where i'm yeah. helping you with a podcast about it's it it's true and but you also use the language now to help understand me which as a four i appreciate being understood yeah <laughs> so that brings me to what parts of the enneagram do you identify most with what part of being an enneagram four do you connect mm-hmm. kind of most with definitely the the creative aspect or the the artistic side um I feel like if I have a chance to do something that I enjoy that's creative so like watercoloring or decorating um that kind of stuff it's it's just a like it's a moment where I almost feel like my brain has the freedom to just be like I don't have to Mm -hmm. put on an act for anybody else or anything like that um I also feel my emotions really, really deeply, mm-hmm. <laughs> frequently, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which can be exhausting um, when it's your own emotions and it's your own life. I feel like that's part of what's been hard about parenting is laying down my emotion to be able to meet our kids where they're at instead of bringing my frustration or my exhaustion or my whatever it is to the table, just meeting them where they're at. But at the same time, it's part of what makes being a counselor work for me is Mm -hmm. I can enter into someone else's emotions and I can feel those with them and not be drained by them. Um, I can enter into sadness with somebody and I can have really hard conversations. This plays into a couple, well, Maybe just a year ago, we did a spiritual gift survey mm-hmm. with our small group. Um, and my spiritual gift, I can't remember the name of it. Exhortation? Maybe. It was like going to the hospital and sitting with somebody. Um, would they have called it mercy, maybe? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so that made being a four make a lot of sense because... If somebody's at, like in a hospital waiting room, like I can do that. Or if somebody is going through a loss, like I'm not afraid to talk about those things. But I also know that that's not true for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say the emotions and the creative side are definitely the parts that I identify with the most. Um, the basic fear, core fear of an Enneagram 4 is often known um, or is that they have no identity or personal significance. And I think that I I don't feel like that's my fear in everything in life, but I want to be significant to the people that I love. And if I don't know that I'm significant to them, mm-hmm. then I feel insecure in that mm-hmm. relationship or, or even 
in a professional setting. Like I want to know that what I'm doing matters to the team. Um, and when that doesn't happen, it's kind of paralyzing or yeah. a huge struggle. Yeah. It's so, really hard to, we all want to know that we matter, but for you, it's deeper than that. Yeah. And it's harder to even get up and do the work the next day. Yeah. 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 Um, and then the basic desire of a four is to find themselves in their significance or to create an identity. Um, and I think that that was one of the things when we did the Enneagram with youth group a couple years ago, um, when we were talking about spiritual gifts and personalities and heart and everything, um, when I realized that it wasn't until I was like 25 that I was okay with my identity and the things that I liked and didn't just want to conform to the world necessarily. Still love Fixer Upper. I still love mm-hmm. Chip and Joanna, but it's not my style completely. And so being able to like find things that were that I liked and kind of make my own style was a big, just an example of how fours can kind of struggle with wanting your own identity but also wanting to fit in but Mm -hmm. also wanting to have your own thing i guess yeah one thing you've been mentioning this time is um shape Mm -hmm. um shape is something that's i've I've been here for three years and it seems something to be part of the culture of new hope what is shape and so it's an you interacted with it it's an acronym um the first time that we did anything with shape was my first year at new hope which was like nine years ago um but it's an acronym that stands for spiritual gifts, heart, ability, personality, and experiences. And you'd kind of do a deep dive into all of those categories. And when you put them all together, um, it kind of helps you find your identity in Christ and, and like how you were created to work for his kingdom and bring glory and honor to God. So we don't do the full study in high school youth group, yeah. but it is something that we go through at least those topics in yeah. different ways, at least every two or three years mm-hmm. in youth group, um, just because it's so foundational figuring out okay who did God make you to be. Yeah, um, and it's a class I think, um, I think we are currently offering it, and we'll, we yeah. will offer it again. So if what you've a, never done shape, I think you really should. I had a really big, well, it was actually a very short conversation um, with Heather Schwartzkoff when we did shape like five years ago, I guess. Um, and that's kind of when I realized I used to be a teacher and I was really struggling with that. Um, and I was helping with youth group before you were the youth pastor. Um, I was helping with youth group and I loved helping on like youth group nights, but Sunday school was not my, mm-hmm. my forte, I guess. Um, Instagram five. I love me some Sunday school. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so Heather was just pointing out, well, when we do spiritual gifts, like maybe your spiritual gift isn't teaching, maybe it's counseling. And that was kind of more of what happens on a, on a Wednesday or a Sunday mm-hmm. night, which is then what kind of gave me the freedom to pursue a degree in school counseling and not be conformed to the identity I thought I had to keep, which was being a teacher. Both your parents were teachers. Yeah. And you were like, oh, well, I have to be a teacher. <laughs> Well, I had always wanted to be a teacher, but I always wanted to work with kids. Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily always want to teach. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the the shape process has played a pretty significant role in my walk with the Lord. So. Yeah. Over multiple different times, too. I like yeah. That. 
going back to the Enneagram, how mm-hmm. how has learning about the Enneagram, understanding yourself and others better affected your relationships? Yeah. So we, I mentioned this before, but our marriage, um, I feel like the maybe the issues that we have to talk through or the disagreements that we have don't go away, but it gives us a tool to be able to talk through them. Mm-hmm. And it, it at least gives me the ability to see things from your perspective. Um, it's a tangible example of that is knowing like you like to know what's coming and you, we're going to talk about fives next time. So I don't want to give too much away, but just you like being caught off guard by things is not great. So that was when I realized like having a calendar and talking about things in advance is really important. Whereas like I could make plans for in the morning right now and it's nine 30 at night. And you've done that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so that's an example um yeah in our marriage knowing how to love Mm -hmm. the other well yeah and how to if we are supposed to put somebody else before us like if if i'm supposed to prefer you over me in marriage it knows like i know what that means now uh tim canning um, has always said be a student of your wife yeah i'm sure he stole that quote from someone else (laughs) as he does with all of his it's a tim canny original um but the Enneagram is just a, a tool to do that is yeah. to study your spouse and figure out, okay, how can I love them well? Yeah. I like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what about with parenting? That's a, you're, you're what, almost three months in. <laughs> Share all your wisdom with us. Yeah. So um, I was listening to a podcast episode <laughs> um, about, uh, it was it's specifically for adoptive moms, and then each episode was for each Enneagram number. So it was a Enneagram 4s in your adoption. Pretty specific podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Not very many of us, I'm sure. Um, But they were talking about why um, the most difficult moments you've had with your most difficult adopted child, why are you having them? Um, And the episode was just talking a lot about how a four can experience their own emotion, the emotion they had in their childhood, the emotion their child is having, and you're bringing all of that into that situation instead of the peace of Christ that that child needs in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I do that a lot. I bring my own anger, which I have never really struggled with anger until I was a parent. <laughs> um, I bring my own expectations or my own desire to be loved or my own whatever it is. I bring that, but I also bring that what I've, had my entire life so maybe where I was at and what I was feeling at that stage of childhood um along with the fear or the sadness or the anger that the child is experiencing and one of our kiddos is also a feeler and you're not supposed to you're not supposed to type kids but um he feels his emotions really strongly and so um that was just really eye-opening for me that I need to remember that I have the power of the spirit inside Mm -hmm. of me to be stronger than what my emotions may be in that moment. Mm. Um, Because my emotions are not what the child needs. And I I love what you just said is the Enneagram stops becoming a box and it becomes tendencies that we have. Yeah. And sometimes even sinful Mm -hmm. or self-focused tendencies that we can conquer we can overcome with the spirit yeah 
with yeah. the fruit of the spirit, with mm-hmm. his power, with his empowerment, with his guiding. I yeah. love that. I love that. The other thing with parenting, though, um, just you pointed out a couple of things with the same kid. Um, again, you're not supposed to, like, type people, especially kids, but kind of seeing what their desires are or the things that make them angry about themselves or it just kind of helps you start to see, I wonder if they struggle with this because they're really not attached to, but they really desire things to be done right, which would be like an Enneagram one, or he has a lot of emotions. I wonder if he's also an Enneagram four and just kind of being able to start to study your kids. Just looking for the why behind the what is something that's super important with trauma informed parenting, trust-based parenting, but also parenting in general. Yeah. And as a school counselor, one of the things I say, I feel like I say every single day, if we consider behavior to be part of communication or behavior to be communication, um, what is the child trying to communicate? Mm -hmm. So sometimes poorly, but trying, right. They may not have the words to communicate that they're, that they're scared or that they're angry or that they're feeling incompetent. I see this a lot at school. I see a lot of students that the behavior you see looks defiant or looks like they just don't care about what you've asked them to do. But when you dig deep, they're trying to communicate that they don't feel like they can do what they're being asked to do. And so they feel incompetent and that comes out as anger. So, yeah. Yeah. How has the Enneagram shaped your walk with God? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. I came up with that question and it's hard to answer. <laughs> Again. Uh, yeah. Um, I've said this to a lot of youth group girls specifically. Um, I a good read for me of where I'm holding God in my life is typically where I'm holding you in my life. So if I'm holding you as in my husband Jake, okay. yes. Sorry. Um, if I'm holding you at an arm's length and I'm not letting you know how I've been feeling or I'm not being open about the struggles I'm having, then I'm probably not doing that with God either. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think being an Enneagram 4, again, gave me the language to know, like, it's okay that I was experiencing those emotions at such drastic levels, I guess. And God wants to hear what I have to say or what I'm feeling and why I'm feeling it. And it's okay to lament, but it's also okay to be ridiculously joyful and praise and my emotions are not too big for him my emotions probably are too big for you and that's okay absolutely they are I'll say it on the record yeah um and so I just think learning that because one of the biggest things that I struggled with for probably most of my life is I was either too much for someone or I wasn't enough for someone And I'm neither of those for God. Mm -hmm. Like, I know my emotions are too much for you sometimes. And I also know that I don't share them enough and they're not enough sometimes. Mm -hmm. So just understanding that. God is enough. Yeah. And I can share that with him and he wants me to share that with him. And when I do that, when I lean into what I'm angry about or when I lean into what I'm struggling with or even what I'm really excited about is when I learn the most um, from him Mm -hmm. or from his word or yeah because I know you pretty well um, (laughs) in the past you've been a very 
I, I called you fluffy at one point. Very, very squishy, very feelings oriented. Um, Believer, not just like human being. Right, not right, a right, fluffy right. person. Yeah, just, I mean, yeah. how the spirit leads. And yeah. I just felt like that was great. And it, it seems like you've not, not left that behind, but have mm-hmm. kind of merged that with a more studious, more intellectual faith as well. Which was really hard. Like, I really fought against that. Yeah. And I really, like, the idea of an intellectual faith, just the, literally just the terminology, and it still feels this way, feels really legalistic to me. And I just said it feels legalistic. So, um, anyway, uh, I, for probably the first four to five years of my walk with Jesus, everything was based on experience or feelings. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, those experiences or those feelings might have been a message that was spoken out of truth. It was oh, scripture. Absolutely. But I, like, a really big moment for me was during COVID when, like, the whole world was shut down, quarantine, school was canceled. I did a Zoom Bible study with one of the girls I had mentored when she was in high school. Um, we did a Jen Wilkin Bible study, and she does a lot of, like, teaching how to study the Bible. You did, what, first and second Peter? <sighs> I think we just did first Peter because I mean like each week you're only doing maybe a verse. Like Mm -hmm. it's a very deep dive into scripture and teaches you how to study scripture. One of the biggest things I got out of that study was that almost exclusively when I would consider myself studying the word or being in the word, what I was actually doing was skimming scripture and reading a, like a devotional to go along with it. And I was reading someone else's interpretation of what the word was saying. I wasn't just reading the Bible for myself Mm -hmm. and I wasn't allowing the spirit in me to reveal what I needed to know about that scripture. Um, I was looking to the book that I was reading about acts or the study that I was doing, but I was listening more to what the author had said as opposed to what the Bible was saying. Um, so that was a big transition for me from going from what I was feeling or what I was experiencing to learning that I'm supposed to worship with my, like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. I was doing that, but not with my mind. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So that's one way the Enneagram has helped you find and follow Jesus. What are other ways you've been encouraged either in your own life or Mm -hmm. with others to help them find and follow Jesus? Um, I think similarly with me, it revealed my blind spots, Mm -hmm. I guess. And so now our life group has done a lot with the Enneagram. Um, My friend group in general has. And I think it helps me know, um, since my spiritual gifts also counsel and um, in mercy, how to speak truth to friends in love Mm -hmm. about their blind spots. Mm -hmm. So if I have a friend, hypothetical friendship that is an Enneagram seven, and I see them avoiding something hard or avoiding a loss that they like, they're just not processing that. Um, I can see that they're, they're wanting to experience joy and fun, but they're not processing something mm-hmm. they need to process and then eventually that's going to be really hard for them and they're they need to process it so it just gives the tool to be able to 
um, speak truth in love to someone because you know maybe what they need in love more. Yeah, I like that. So at New Hope, our values are love, grow, and go. You're in a very unique spot right now. Mm-hmm. Four adopted mm-hmm. kids just got back. New job. Where do you see yourself right now? What value is God kind of encourage you in specifically mm-hmm. in this season of life? Well, I feel like right before I said I feel like again, man. Yeah. I use the word feel a lot. You are an Enneagram four. I am. Okay. I think that God just had me in a season of grow where he was revealing a lot to me about how I needed to grow so that I could go, which literally meant going to Columbia for five weeks to adopt our kids, which ended up being one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, not adopting our kids, our kids, like that was hard, but literally being in Colombia and going was really hard for me. And I think a lot of that was spiritual warfare, but also it was just hard for me. And that's just the reality of what it is. Um, the transition of not having kids to having four kids also was like major culture shock. <laughs> culture shock sounds the right word, but, um, there's a little culture shock. Yeah. <laughs> um, But the go part was really, really hard. And I think part of why it was hard is because I was picturing it as I need to keep going for like ever instead of realizing that that this is something God has been teaching me since I first accepted Jesus like 15 years ago, that how it is right now is not how it will always be. And so the going we were, we would eventually come home and we would settle in and it was hard when we first got home, but we're finding our rhythm and we're finding a routine. And I feel like I finally have the freedom to just love and yeah. just do what he's asked me to do with the people he's put in front of me, whether that's at our kitchen table or in our house or whether that's in my office at school, like the going and the change of that going has settled and now I can just love. Mm-hmm. So. It's been fun watching you in that with our kids or <laughs> with your little group of high school girls or whatever yeah. it's been. It's just been fun to see you kind of come back to that. Yeah, definitely was not in a good spot, but mm-hmm. now I am in a better spot. God is good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for uh, switching spots with us. <laughs> do you want to close this out or do I get to do that? You get to do that. You're the host. Very exciting. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Real Life, Real Talk, Real Con.